0: You know, Tom, this apostasy now, it, every time I hear it, I, I get a little
1: hungry. Apostasy? I don't know. It's just the pasta in it.
0: I just want a carb
1: overload. You know, it's funny that you say that because I just want to hack a fucking boulder with a machete, you know, <laughs> in, in, a, in a godforsaken jungle. <laughs> so... I feel like I got the meatballs, you got the yeah. spaghetti. You want to you shave your head and just say, the horror, <laughs> the horror. You know, before we had entered, I thought this was the heart of darkness, yeah. but it was really just, it was the heartburn of darkness yeah. as it turns out. Yeah, exactly, out. yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think at the very least, the conferences need to have, um, they, they, they need to have kind of a, a differentiation between, you know, kind of intro level welcome to the community sort of uh, stuff, and then they need to have Okay, you're, you've been a part of this community. It's the fucking third TAM you've been to. You don't need to go to a talk about why, you know, possession isn't real. You're at TAM. You already know it's not real. That's a waste of an hour of your life. Let's move into some deeper, grayer, more complex areas. And let's get away from having a speaker and into having panels and yeah. into having workshops. Yeah. And you're not going to find that at a conference. You're just not right now the way they're structured. Yeah.
0: I would love to see an Oxford-style debate that has, like... I don't know, like Rebecca Watson on one side and Thunderfoot on the other. I would love to see that. I would love to see those two, you know, try to hash this out, try to talk it out, try to figure it out, you know, I don't know. In a
1: controlled, moderated environment. It's
0: a moderated environment. It's not, I get my talk and I get to make my little video. It's, let's have a conversation. Let's figure it out.
1: You know, that shit makes me nuts. Like, I'm going to fucking put my video up you're going to put your video up and our videos will fight each other. And it's like, man... We go in the same room. Yeah. But just you know, because that's the sort of like road rage mentality. It's like as long as everybody's not in the same room, it's real easy to be like, I auto take your guts. Yeah. Exclamation point one one one. Yep, I'm
0: gonna be a dick. And right. I could be a dick because it's 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 not that I'm anonymous, but I'm far enough a, a removed from you that I I I don't I don't have any kind of uh sense of right. being civil.
1: Yeah. I think when you get two people in a room that disagree, all of a sudden they're real polite, yeah, and they they realize, oh, I'm talking to a human being, yeah, I feel no like kidding, that. That's right? got to be true. Yeah, I mean, isn't that the essence of intellectual debate? Is you don't take it personally. You look at each other and say, hey, man, we're on other sides of the of the, of the topic here, yeah. but this isn't about what this isn't about an attack on me as a human. It's about you know here's some ideas I'm gonna, I'm gonna fucking put my ideas out there. I'm gonna poke on my ideas like I fucking choose you and you choose yours and we'll see which one wins yeah. and there, it's that's honest exactly. <laughs> people. Oh yeah oh yeah for sure right. Well, I think Cecil and I both, you know, we—I think we both generally believe in the—in the beyond just the fact that it's fun. I think we both genuinely believe that, you know, humor is a powerful force in the world. Um, I, I have no interest in, in being in a world or in, you know, or honestly in relationships of any kind with people that that have no interest yeah, in humor that are humorless. Yeah. Right. That's that's not a world. That's not a world I will create for myself at all. You yeah. know, humor is intensely powerful. Uncle Buck. Buck, I remember flipping that fucking
2: pancake uh, with a snow shovel. Love it, love it.
1: That's awesome. I'd eat that whole pancake.
0: Yeah. No, I'd power that thing down. you have to take it to Canada to get that much maple syrup, though. Yeah, sure. Well, if people want to find our show, they can go to DissonancePod.com. That's one word: DissonancePod. And uh, we, you can also find us on uh, on. Um, any kind of aggregator for podcasts, yeah. so iTunes, Stitcher, we're all over the place. Thanks for having us on, though. We do appreciate yeah, it, man. What a pleasure! Thanks so much. I'll send you the separate mics. I'll listen sure. to the Glean. i well.
1: Gosh, He's like s- more work. Let's do more work. It's, Thanks it's again, it's again nice for the opportunity to, you, to be on your show. Thank you very much. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Welcome
4: back to uh, Apostasy Now. Um, It's been a little while. We haven't posted anything in about two months. Uh, The basic reason for this is that um, I had a family court situation occur, and it was really emotionally taxing. So it's just taking me a while to kind of collect myself and be able to focus on projects again, editing and setting up guests. So I'm sorry about that. If you were worried that we're going away, we're not. Until our equipment breaks down, uh, hope is never lost. (laughs) You know coming up we're going to be moving into some video work and hopefully some special topics with me and smash lock talking um so hopefully that'll make up for it a little bit and bring around some uh, new potential for topics and ways that we can approach it and listen you know i want to well it's on my mind i want to thank everyone who donated to my gofundme to help with my legal costs it really means a lot to me my finances have really been terrible uh through this last three and a half years. Um because of the court situation and my struggles there. So thank you very much. And everyone also, thank you for everyone who shared, everyone who gave me any kind of support whatsoever. All of it was appreciated. A special thanks to Paul Elam, Dean Esme, Mike Rue, Hannah Wallen, who's going to be the guest this episode. Uh, Thank you to all of you for trying to help me get my story out there so that we can help raise awareness, not just of the fact that what I'm going through, but that there are problems with the system. So with that being said, thank you to you guys. We're going to be getting back into the swing of things. Uh, Tombstone's going to be coming up on, a, on the next episode. Uh, Spencer Lucas and I are working on arranging to talk about this year's non-conference for non-believers in Ontario. And this episode, of course, is Hannah Wallen. I am so sorry, Hannah. This is from two months ago. It's still very relevant, but she certainly is the most patient guest we've had. She's had to be. No other delay has been anywhere near this long. So thank you, Anna. Uh, she uh, works with the Honey Badgers Brigade. She tries to bring about uh, a greater dialogue and understanding about the difficulties, about the way men are treated in the family court system, and she works as the managing editor over there. So I want you to check out her stuff. We're gonna, you know, talk about it in the show, but we'll also have links in the show notes. Welcome to another episode of Apostasy Now.
5: He had every right. I went behind his back. I'm willing to take responsibility for my actions.
1: Watch out. That's the kind of spirit that can save America. Because I'm very much a skeptic. More, I'm,
0: I'm more of a skeptic than I am an atheist. I mean, atheist is a conclusion based on my skepticism. So you'd be better if you were straight? Yes. Wow. Anybody so, would be. That
4: attitude is what is responsible for the rise of atheism.
2: That's not what Islam is all about. Islam is peace. What is the penalty for leaving the Muslim faith with a death penalty? Thank you. This is apostasy now. For people to
0: get the information correct before they start yap, yap, yapping. Get ready to root for the bad guys.
3: Resist it while you still can and before the right to complain is taken away from you, which will be the next thing.
5: My computer don't get along very well, so.
4: Oh, well, we had uh, a talk with Mike Guru the other day. We were trying to get him into a, uh, a group hangout. Here, I'm going to turn our video off just to make sure that the signal stays as strong. Uh, let's see. Well, as strong as possible. All right. It didn't cut you off, did it? You can still hear us?
5: Nope. Nope. It's it's still fine.
4: Uh, yeah, we were trying to talk to him. Uh, we had set up in advance a hangout. He would, got on initially, could say almost nothing, and then was kicked off. And then it, it wouldn't let it back on, so we actually shut that down. Even though we had arranged it and told everyone about it, we should be opened a new one, and it wouldn't let them on at all. So then we're like, "Well, yeah, I guess we're gonna do a Skype, and because we can't do it live, we'll just put it up later." And it's yeah. uh, so like what we're doing right now. I'm gonna take this and I'll take all the background noise out, and I'll put a beginning on it, and I'll throw it out for our podcast, and then put a, a copy up onto our YouTube channel. But so some, that's cool. yeah, yeah, it's, it's some of our stuff that we like with with micro is more kind of last minute. You know, just a couple days beforehand. We're like, let's just throw this up live. And, um, yeah, so it was really weird. And then we went to Skype, and I don't know what was going on. They would not let him onto any – there's a list that drops down of adding people to a call. He was not showing up on it. He was my contact, (laughs) but he would not show up on this list. Oh, wow. He was Yeah, he was the only person. And he even tried – connect. we had Anton who was trying to connect it. That's why it was a group call, Anton Hill. And so him and Anton connected – uh they exchanged uh their stuff they they connected and then when they tried to call me, it dropped anton off his call. It could only be him and one other person. yeah, it was just so weird. We were actually speculating that maybe their uh, these social media sites might be starting to share like bad people lists you know blacklist they might
5: that's a possibility. I wouldn't be surprised especially since um the the group that initially started uh fighting for censorship uh, women action media. They've sort of gone from one site to another, attacking free speech. You know, they started. I think they started with Facebook, right? and then they went on to Twitter, and they've gone on to other things. And Wham! Wham! Right? Yeah. Wham! Yeah. yeah. And and uh, I would not be surprised if there's sort of a connection there. Um, obviously, though, I'm not gonna like start publicly stating that that there is because. But it's I it's a possibility.
4: It's a a possibility, and and just a few years ago, I would have thought that sounded crazy, but all the stuff I'm seeing now, I never would have thought we'd have have Twitter proudly making a council to shut people down uh, and scream political.
5: I just got an email from um, Patreon that says that they now allow you to block people. They allow you to block patrons. And what they've done that's really bad with that is it used to be if you had a – a person that, you know, had signed up to be a patron and you wanted to remove them as a patron because like, I don't know, they they weren't uh they were blocking payments all the time or something like that and and you didn't want to have to pay attention to it. You know, you could do that. And now you can't. You have to block them. Wow. So or leave them there either way.
2: Well, you don't have to state anything publicly. I'll do it. I I'm, I'm pretty sure they're in on it.
5: <laughs> yeah. I wow. I wouldn't be surprised. I know, I, the, I wouldn't state 100% certainty without having that information.
4: It's a growing pressure. As one social media group or, or service embraces it, they add to the pressure of the next one to fall. Yep, yep. Uh, yep. And, and to universalize kind of the format. Uh, one of the things, like even if, even if people aren't into the issue of feminism or men's issues, uh, just the fact that they would take a stand left or right wing, you can't even see it there. I don't yep, know how yep. how many conservatives. I'm not a conservative myself, but how many conservatives have I seen uh, talking about people they know that have been just blocked off of Twitter and no explanation as to why?
5: Well, and conservatives are getting shadow banned. Um yeah. Gamer gators are getting shadow banned. Men's rights activists are getting shadow banned. You know, on Twitter. Yeah. And I mean, Reddit's really where the shadow banning thing I think originated. Um, I hadn't heard of any other site doing that before Reddit started doing it. But uh, And when they started doing it, their original shadow banning uh, standard was like if you posted a bunch of stuff on there, you know, come to this site and buy my T-shirts and and, and didn't contribute to any discussion on Reddit, you would get shadow banned because you were spamming the site. And that was reasonable. You didn't want to have to deal with these um, people that are, you know, sales spamming the site, just making new accounts over and over again to continue sales spamming the site. And, and this way, um, the spammer, because it's usually uh, a bot, they would just continue posting without any knowledge that they were shadow banned. And, and they started using it for um, for other rule breaking. And then they started making their rules so vague that you really couldn't identify whether you were following them or not Um like it got to the point where if you continually upvoted a, a particular person's statements or downvoted a particular person's statements, uh, even though that the 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 votes have a purpose, like you're upvoting if they're really contributing to the conversation, downvoting if you feel like they're not really adding anything, um, and it, and that would be something that would be you know you could consistently do to a person because that person is consistently adding to the conversation or consistently not adding to the conversation. Uh, then you can still get uh, accused of vote manipulation and shadow banned um, i've been shadow banned 5 times from reddit for wow. <laughs> for being being an mra um, i the first first 4 times were specifically for discussing a uh, a court case that uh, involved Vexatious litigation and malicious prosecution of a friend of mine. I was a witness in the case, and it went on for seven years, and it was just a bizarre uh, experience, absolutely like falling down the rabbit hole. And I wrote about the case because it just was – it was such a strange thing for me to see happen, and I'd seen it happen to that friend and another friend. I'd seen other friends of mine go through uh, a false prosecution or unfair prosecution. Situations where they'd been, you know, denied representation, or situations where evidence was ignored, um, situations where it was, where there was unequal treatment between themselves and the person that was accusing them. Uh, where, like, I have, I've got one friend who was convicted of assault for putting his hands up to block a woman from stabbing him in the throat with a, with a pencil, because that wasn't violent but putting his hands up to block it was, you know, uh-huh. so I, I, I get banned for talking about all those kinds of things. And specifically for discussing that case, uh, where I'd, I'd been linking to it, uh, to, to, a uh, an article I'd written about it on, uh, gather.com, which is no longer a site that you can just write for. Uh, and, and then this last time there really wasn't a, a real reason given. I, um, I I was part of a group of MRAs who were all banned on the same day, and everybody else was – the, the ban was attributed basically to them taking part in a discussion that they had initiated. Um, it was – let's see. It was Warren Farrell doing a, an Ask Me Anything. I believe Warren Farrell doing an Ask Me Anything. And during the Ask Me Anything, which had been set up by or at least initiated, the setup for it had been initiated by the Men's Rights subreddit. Um, everybody that from the men's rights subreddit that participated in it in the discussion got shadow banned. And some of the shadow bans were undone later. Mine wasn't. The odd thing was I wasn't even online at the time that discussion was taking place. I was at work. So I came back from work to you find know, myself so, shadow banned. <laughs> so yeah, and I guilt, think they just used assos- it as an excuse. Yeah.
4: Guilt by association.
5: Yep, guilt yep. by association, or, or rather, well, we're we're doing this mass shadow ban of all these people for this thing. Let's include this person that we we've shadow banned before because we don't like her.
4: Yeah, the purging, the purging instinct. self- outrageous. just. Much. You know, there's a there's particularly on the left, there tends to be this constant refrain uh, with a lot of people where they go, "Well, only the government, uh, you know, we only have rules against the government censoring. Um, you know, if the, if the government doesn't do it, then the definition is that it's not real censorship." Like yeah, they,
5: they don't. <laughs> that's not how this works. They don't understand the difference between the definition of censorship and what the First Amendment protects. Right. That's that's bad. Like the, now, the First Amendment um, does only protect against government intrusion, but that does not make it not censorship when some other source engages in it. Right. It just makes it not a violent uh, a violation of your First Amendment rights. It's still wrong. It's it's kind of like. Um, it's kind of like if you classify uh, a specific circumstance of murder, you know, you, you're, you're, you're killing an infant, it's infanticide. So it's not killing if you kill anybody who is not an infant. Well, no, that's not correct. It's still killing. It's just that's not fair. infanticide. It's, it's not – it's still censorship if you censor somebody. It's just not a violation of their First Amendment legal rights. And usually it's just a
4: matter of taking a step back and understanding the principle, right? So the principle here is why is the government not supposed to censor? Well, because the right. government is, the government is powerful and anything powerful that can silence people's ability to speak freely, uh, is attempting to control people, society. You control their speech, you're trying to control their thoughts, their actions. And so if you have corporations that have been given a great deal of, of public trust and a great deal of public power, it's not okay. To just say, well, whatever they can do, whatever they want. That's not that, that is not all right. When we're seeing uh, people, you know, in this age, we we've trusted the internet more and more for social interaction. And the idea that, that these people can just do whatever they want, we have no say as a public. Uh, I think that we have we do have a say. I'm not saying that they should go to jail for it, but I do think that they should be, uh, um, you know, called out for it. I think the government at least could take part in that. You know, no, saying, it definitely
5: should be. Criticism there definitely should be recourse for the average citizen, and honestly, um, you know, it, it if you if you provide a forum for speech and then you start censoring based on people's uh, beliefs and everything, that's a form of discrimination. Right. You know, there are there are other areas of um, law you can look at for recourse on that. Now, granted, um, it's not necessarily something again where you would you would say somebody should be put in jail for it but it's not inappropriate to consider legal recourse if a if a forum provides a public space for discussing just anything they don't have a topic restriction they don't say you know this is a democrat only space and then republicans come in and and invade you know they they it's not like that where you know right. there, there's an open forum um when it's an open forum, it has, to, or at least if they're advertising that it's an open forum, it has to be an open forum. And if it's not, then they're violating truth and advertising laws, um, and they're yeah. violating, you know, they're not necessarily laws related to discrimination, but you know, they are being discriminatory.
4: I uh, I compare it more to telephone. Like now we're all cell phones, many different carriers, but for a long time most people really didn't have a choice about their telephone. It carried personal information uh, in, in the phone book wherever you were. Yeah. And so there this was technically not a government institution, but there were rules that the government placed on it because of the of the amount that people depended on it for the service, how important it was. Um and I think that if in this day and age, even with cell phones, if all of a sudden one cell phone carrier after another started going, Oh yeah, men's rights advocates or anyone who doesn't get on board with certain regressive values, they're obviously bad people, so we better start start uh, you know, messing with Limiting their, service. their cell
5: phone service. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Yeah, I mean, do they yeah. have the right to do that? I mean, technically, they might find ways to do it legally, but it doesn't make it there's right. A, it there's another
5: precedent. If um, if you're broadcasting, you're on a you you run a television network and you're broadcasting, and you you run ads for political campaigns. If you agree to run an ad for one uh political campaign, and somebody wants to run an opposing ad, you have to let them run the opposing ad. You have to give them ad space, you know, for the same price that you would. Their opponent, and and the reason basically is to prevent deplatforming one side or the other of a political campaign, you know, or one side or the other of a political dispute. Right. And that's part of uh, the campaign reform laws, and this is something that, you know, it it fits the same thing. It's not it's not acceptable for a social networking site or um, any site pretty much that lets people publicly post. Opinion and beliefs and you know their own stories or whatever to take a point of view and say everything except for that point of view is is allowed to be expressed you know i yeah. even I even think ugly points of view that that we really don't believe in you know as a society it's better to see people that are that are that believe in those express them and and have arguments about them than to let them lie buried and fest yes yes. If you're not going to just defend. engaged in that today, <laughs> yeah, really? What was yours? Well, I posted, um, I posted a, a sort of a reminder of uh, Adele Mercier's uh pedo apology in response to something that uh, Allison Tiemann had posted. Um, she had uh Adele Mercier had basically responded to – see, Allison had posted a study. Mercier responded to to what Allison had posted by basically attributing the agency in in the relationship between juveniles in juvenile detention facilities and staff engaging in sexual misconduct with them as if the, the juveniles were um, – initiating, you know, the, the, okay. the relationships, as if they had or, the adult. Uh, you know, as if they had the, the capability of making those right. decisions for themselves yep. and of turning it down if they wanted to, without, without repercussions, you know, here, here they are, their kids and they're captive. Yeah. And of course I got pedo, pedo apologists uh, almost instantly. Jeez. And I kept having people, why do you even entertain these people's ideas? Well, these are ideas that you can't ignore them. You know, these, yeah. these are not things that it, are going to go away if they don't get discussed. And these these – they're flawed arguments, and they're, they're things that need to be uh, discussed and put down basically, but you can't do that if you just ignore them. Yeah, and suppression. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't de-platform these guys, but I'll argue with them as long as the day exists.
4: So suppression does not uh, improve your, your social situation with these types of bad ideas, challenging them. So that, that both those people have the opportunity to hear what's wrong with their ideas, but also anyone else who's standing around, you know, like, you know online or in, in real life, who hears your arguments, can hear your better arguments.
2: Yeah. Exposing
4: yeah. You know, what's wrong. Why
2: you think you've done it? Okay, number one, Your Honor, just look at him. <laughs> <laughs> he, he talks like a fine too. <laughs> <laughs> and B, we've got all this, like, pfft, evidence of how, like, this guy didn't even pay at the hospital.
1: And I heard that he doesn't even have his tattoo. I know.
3: And I'm all, you got to be shitting me. But check this out, man. Judge should be like, guilty. Peace.
4: Smash Lock is just getting to know uh, Honey Badgers. Um, You are now, before I forget, because I was thinking about this at the beginning. You are the managing editor, is that right? Yep, of of the blog. Okay. So, um since like I've not had another show before, I've had, uh, had Allison and I've had Karen on, we were doing a chat, uh, three months ago, I think. Okay. Um, but do you want to tell us a little bit about, uh, what you guys do with honey badgers? Just for,
5: well, um, we started out, actually we started out on Reddit. That's, that's kind of the funny thing. Allison and Karen <laughs> and I all met on Reddit. Uh, and we, we started out just sort of trying to organize a little bit, our, our activism together and, we uh, we created a subreddit that we ended up kind of abandoning because it, it really didn't seem to be the – it wasn't going to become the center of activity that was needed. And uh, Allison worked a little bit with A Voice for Men, and then she brought me in to A Voice for Men. And uh, she was looking to do something a little more um, on her own and uh, a little different than what A Voice for Men does. Uh, the community of Voice for Men has um, – some more people that are journalistic, more people that are in the the uh, medical professions. Um, now, not everybody there is by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, but there there are more legal and medical oriented people there than there are um, at a ton of Honey Badger Brigade, we have more towards the artistic type, um, and more towards like I, I don't know the the sort of the art arts area yeah. of creativity, I guess you could say and because it's not just like drawing or painting or things like that but all the the arts areas and uh so we sort of we went from we went from Reddit to a voice for men to honey badger radio which started out at a voice for men we started out as part of their radio lineup uh and then when we went to a more separate thing um it was sort of to grow beyond that and actually have a full set of radio shows, which we're, we've started to do now. So we now have the nerd cast and the nerd revolt and cherry has her cherry stem. There's the, uh, rage zerkers and several other things, the fireside chats. I, I'm not sure if I've mentioned everything, but we have that. We have the blog. Uh, and of course we've got various Twitter accounts that, that we're communicating on. Um, we go to events and, and sort of try to spread the word there. Uh, Karen and I are going to be going to the, uh, International Men's Issues Conference in London
4: in July.
5: So, London, England. Sort of getting our fingers in a lot of pots there, I guess.
4: <laughs> I wonder if you guys could uh, uh, could oh, well. It's probably too late now. I, I'm not sure. You guys would know better than this. Uh, what is uh, Milo's uh, association with anything to do with men's rights? Is he a bit standoffish about it, or does he jump right in?
5: From what I've seen, it it sort of depends on whether or not it intersects with his other beliefs. And, right. like he, and he, he seems to be open-minded and willing to learn too. So um, when he doesn't have – when he's not in agreement with us and people give him information and the information is presented in a logical fashion, and rational fashion, yeah. you know, he'll, he'll read it and he'll, he'll uh, grow with it like he did with the circumcision thing where he initially – he wrote that article that everybody sort of jumped on uh, promoting circumcision. And then he later came out and, and said, well, after talking to everybody, he wanted to clarify that he is against involuntary circumcision. So it was it was, uh, was kind of neat to see that because a lot of people, when they, when they make a statement on that particular topic, um, they're very, very wrapped up in what they already believe, in. it's very rare to see yeah. somebody come out and clarify like that. So he does seem to be um, more aware on the men's rights front. And I guess I would kind of expect that, but at the same time, he, I think he's more conservative politics than gender politics. So there's, uh, there's probably going to be some areas where he also doesn't intersect with MRAs, and, and uh, one would have to rely more on his open-mindedness and uh, his, his ability to learn and grow with information, which has already been demonstrated, uh, than, than to just expect him to be up on
2: everything. Yeah, no doubt. the The one thing I, uh, I, you know, I notice about talking with anyone about circumcision, because I'm against it, is just mm-hmm. how grossly uninformed the general populace is about how barbaric this practice is. You know, yeah, like most, you're,
5: uh, most people have no idea how the procedure is performed or or, or what level of pain it entails.
2: Right. Uh, I I showed a a video to somebody and they just they they were horrified. You know, at at, at how the procedure is done and. Uh, i tried to put it to them like this that every every death of a female or male child who has got their genitals mutilated isn't an is an unnecessary one yeah yeah and yeah. and it really it, it should be abandoned it, it really actually should be outlawed you know yep. like this is one of the few areas where when i have discussions with um women in in my uh in my college course that i'm in Uh, And they talk about patriarchy and all this other good stuff, wage gaps and whatnot. They they always talk about the advantages that men have. And then I say, well, name me a legal right that you you have that that I don't or that I have that you don't. And, And they were like, well, it's not about that. And I'm like, well, here, I can name one that you have that I don't. And in Canada, it is illegal to mutilate the genitals of a female child. Yep. But it is completely legal to do it to a male child, and I'm like, do you not see the hypocrisy in this? And immediately, as a knee jerk reaction, they fall they fall right back to the well. Um, it's really better for the child, and you know, it helps it keep it clean and makes it healthy. And I'm like, you have no idea what you're talking about.
5: Yeah, it does none of those things. No. And yeah. all of the arguments that get made in favor of male circumcision are are present in the discussion on female circumcision as well they're just not as easily accepted because people have more sympathy for girls right even the h i v argument is made to to uh promote female circumcision and it, it's just as wrong as it is when they're using it to promote male circumcision and I, like that. I don't get how people can read that research and not figure out that it's ridiculous, like okay, let's look at this. was it? The, the the cut or maybe the admonishment to use condoms that reduced right. the incidence of new HIV infection yeah. you know or maybe it was the fact that they told them not to have sex for a while after they got cut and they probably would have <laughs> figured that out on their own anyway cuz it probably wouldn't have felt too good but no <laughs> no we're going to attribute it to the the thing that we can't prove an actual link to even yeah. though we have two other things that that are obviously linked to the reduction it was it
4: was about a year ago, I remember seeing, maybe it was longer, I uh, saw an article by um, that old Dr. Spock guy, remember?
2: Yeah. Um, oh, yeah.
4: Not the one off the TV, like that was on, on Vulcan. I'm talking about the real Dr. Spock. <laughs> and after years and years, he finally came out and said, look, after considering this for years, I have to speak up and say, I think that we should not be doing this anymore. You know, we got to stop doing circumcision. Yeah. And a lot of people, I guess, who loved him over the years were just like, how dare you? He's like. Right. He laid out the facts. He's like, no, this stuff makes it, these arguments are all bunk.
2: <laughs> right. Yeah. During, during it. Have... A... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say during one of my class discussions on, on, uh, on this very topic, um, one, one particularly, um, chipper woman in the back said, have you ever seen an uncut penis? They're gross. You know, I wouldn't want to touch one of those. Like it was, it was, it was shockingly, it was shockingly honest. Yeah. And then I just kind of looked over my shoulder back to the back of the classroom because I was the one kind of driving the point home because I'm one of four guys in my entire, in in my entire course. And and, and I just said, well, that's not body shaming, is it? (laughs) Wow, you mm-hmm. you want to you want to see a a person shut up real fast? <laughs> you know, <I> bet. <laughs> Holy crap.
5: that is an excellent point. <laughs> I, I got I got so fed up with dealing with the same set of arguments over and over again in that discussion. And it, it's it's the same thing with a lot of gender issues discussion. You see the same set of arguments over and over again for just about every point. But uh, with circumcision, it, it it's I don't know. It's particularly bad where people will start. With one argument, and they'll just go right down the line, and it's almost the same as as dealing with the like the the vaccine refusal advocacy crowd, like not the people that that uh, you know make want to make their own choices and so on, but the ones that tell everybody that vaccines are bad and dangerous and they shouldn't vaccinate their children. When they start getting crazy like that, they they have like a set. of logical fallacies that as soon as you knock one down, they step over to the next one. And it's the same thing with uh, the the circumcision argument. They have uh, a set of uh, fallacious medical support arguments and a set of fallacious social support arguments. And I ended up writing answers to all of those and putting them into a couple of posts on the Honey Badger Brigade blog because they just – it's like if they're going to use the same arguments all the time, I might as well just link to this instead. And that's right. kind of what I
2: do now. Yeah, but you know, like I, I think everyone can understand that if you have bought hook, line, and sinker into this narrative, uh, they're just going to play what I call the hop, the hopscotch of stupidity. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what they're going to do. Is, as soon as you get to the final point that puts the nail in the coffin, they're already jumping back to the first point that you already refuted. Yep. You know, and then you're like, "What am I doing here?" I have, uh, I, I've started
4: not just naming fallacies. I've started coming with my own names for what I call tactics or gambits online that people do to mess with you. Yeah. You know, so, uh, the, recently when you're talking about what you had to deal with about bad ideas, I had a bunch of people unexpectedly on an anti SJW site, uh, start talking about how the Jews run the world. And, uh, yeah. And I was okay. just like, this is like, I was making fun of them. Like, this is still a thing. Like people still believe this. And a bunch of people, there's people who agreed with me and there's people who jumped on me over it. And, uh, <laughs> so this one guy, it was, he was using a sock account too. Right. So he comes on there and he starts basically mocking me or trying to mock me. And eventually he's like, where's your evidence? Where is your facts? And the way he was doing it was, of course, an absurd request for information. There's no information he needed for what he was demanding. Like it was something that everyone else in the conversation had a common understanding of. But this is what I call the dance monkey dance gambit, where they essentially try to play the role of a skeptic and say, I need evidence from you dance i'm telling you dance and you're supposed to dance and dance and throw information that they have no intention of giving a shit about while you're doing all the work while they offer nothing
5: and a lot of times when they do that they have they they start out by failing at at burden of proof for instance somebody makes the claim jews run the world and you say no they don't and here's why well you haven't offered me any, any evidence well that's not your responsibility. They made okay. the initial claim. It's their responsibility. They need to prove that Jews run the world.
4: Yeah. Well, I even asked them. I said, "You guys, they're talking about bankers again, right? It's always the bankers thing, uh, or, or or Hollywood, right?" And <laughs> and I said, "Do do you guys have you ever looked? Have you instead of just thinking, you know, that there's a lot of Jews in certain fields, um, have you ever looked into the history as to why that might be? Because there's actually really a really don't. good historical explanation. All you have to do is look." <laughs> And they don't
5: look that, and if you point it out to them, they they will either deny it or try to sidestep it.
4: well the irony to me is that for a lot of these guys, often very not exclusively but often is, is very angry white guys'll they'll argue with me about this kind of, that particular topic online. It often it's a lot of their an, general ancestry from the places that they come from that caused this by restricting land ownership rights or certain types of, of job fields from Jews for like centuries. Yeah. So the irony, it's, right?
5: <laughs> it's like people who used to say, well, black people are stupid with money. Look, they'll live in a shack, but then they have a BMW, and they never looked at the fact that banks would not loan black people money for nice houses and nice neighborhoods, but yeah. they would give them car loans, and yeah. that's all they could buy. So you'd have – a guy would, would struggle to, to a position of like he'd, he'd become a foreman in an oil refinery, and he'd, he'd have a good income, but he wouldn't be able to get his family uh, into a good neighborhood. Because he couldn't he couldn't get the house, he couldn't get the loan, but at least they could have a nice car you know in a the car they wouldn't have to worry that they were going to get stranded somewhere and, and this, this is not because they're unwise with money it's because they were they were controlled as to what they could get loans for you know, and when you restrict somebody's movement, you control which direction they can go it's, it's just something that and then to turn around and accuse them of being in control of it is, is it's quite ridiculous. Well, this is why it's, it's kind so feminist, to Men too.
4: It, it, oh, these days, I'm sure you're familiar with the term "regressives." Yeah, that's why it's so so disheartening to watch what's going on with them. You know that we've been working for generations now to make it so that a black family wants to move into a primarily white neighborhood that no one gives a shit. Right? That's that's what right. we're aiming for. No one cares. It hey, looks a black family. Oh well, uh, let's go over and meet them, or you know whatever. Um, yeah. But instead, we have. Black students in the finest schools in North America and and England protesting over the stupidest shit. And then the more you learn about it, they're usually being led by white the far left liberal teachers, being told what to say and do. I'm doing air quotes now.
2: Sociology professors. Yes. Oh,
5: <laughs> yeah, they're they're being basically uh, the millennial generation is being taught to to hate each other, to to be divided. And it's it's a sad thing to see because. I remember when I was college age, you know, it it was a neat dawning. Um, It was, it was post, you know, post the post age of Aquarius, post uh, Vietnam era, post basically cultural revolution where we, we'd gone through uh, a time of people striving for uh, diversity in a way that you don't see today. You know, phrases like "different strokes for different folks," which which carried the idea that you didn't have to be just like somebody else to be able to accept them as a human being and a neighbor and a, and a member of your community, and you know maybe maybe have camaraderie with them and and so on. And all of a sudden, in the '90s, there was this pushback by by people who profit from from keeping that divisiveness going and keeping people angry at each other to to sort of force feed the young, this idea of resentment, this need to resent. And it's, it's grown ever since then. And it's, it's a sad thing because I think it's set society back a good 60 or 70 years in, in civil rights, um, and, and the social end of the civil rights movement.
4: I know in terms of, uh, men's issues, women's rights, when I first started posting about, uh, my family situation there, when things really started going bad for me, um, It wasn't long after we ended up separating that I started posting some stuff that was having issues, troubles with the uh, in the court system. And uh, my mentor, as what I call her, a professor from back in my university days. Mm -hmm. Excuse me. She is, uh, and when I left university, I was a liberal. I went as a conservative, left as a liberal, and now I'm neither. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But uh, she uh, she identifies as a feminist, as a number of people I know do, and she's got to be, I think, about seventy now. I think. And she uh, she commented on a couple of things, kind of in, in shock about what was going on. And uh, her when she heard it, instead of just saying, "Oh, you must be lying" or, or, or trying to deceive me, she uh, she just said, "Well, maybe this is a case of the pendulum swinging too far back the other way." Which, yeah. if if more people would have this kind of open mindedness, just at least to the the basic facts of what's happening here, we could get somewhere.
5: Yeah, I think what really bugs me with with uh like I don't have anything against um the fact that that some women wanted to focus more on women's experiences of uh progress in civil rights. Yeah. What bugs me is when they talk about that progress as if it was only needed for women. And a, a lot of times like you know second wave feminism was not as overtly bad as for, or as, as as third wave feminism is. Uh, but but second wave feminism is not innocent. It's the base on which third wave feminism as as unbalanced as it is sits and it really it really was it wasn't necessarily as as overtly demonizing of men, <coughs> excuse me <coughs> of men but um, but they still did. <clears throat> and it was second wave feminists that laid the groundwork for the attacks on due process that we're seeing today. Um, that history is is actually Mary Cross, the uh, researcher who the, the or the college professor, I should say, whose research methods have been adopted by pretty much uh, every government institute in the United States and and even world government, um, whose whose uh, methodology led to all of the statistics that are used to advocate rape culture theory. Oh, yeah. um, <laughs> you know, she was a she was a second waiver. And uh, Gloria Steinem, who is the, the – uh, not the creator, but um, I guess the co-founder of Ms. Magazine, promoted that. She promoted that work. Yeah. And you know, this is work that it's, – it's got two biases. Costa's first bias is women are not able to assess their own experiences. So instead of asking women if they had experienced sexual assault, she named circumstances – asked women if they had experienced those circumstances which were fairly vaguely described
0: yeah
5: and then assigned a a uh, meaning to them of her own instead of allowing women to assess them her, themselves and and about half of the uh, women almost half of the women that she talked to in her first survey had you know that she labeled rape victims had gone on to have sex with that partner again and the majority of them disagreed with her you know, more than almost seventy seventy-five percent, something like seventy-three percent, disagreed with her on whether or not their experiences were sexual assault. So she had only a minority of of her her survey. Basically, one out of four women that she surveyed agreed with her that they had been raped. So where she got one out of four women in, in colleges having been raped, it would have been more like one out of sixteen from her survey. That would have been a more accurate description. At the same time, she dis- she, her second bias was describing rape to exclude victims of female perpetrators, especially male victims of female perpetrators, by saying, you know, not, not anybody who was forced to penetrate, only people who were penetrated forcibly. So she was, she's claiming that it's inappropriate to, to consider it rape when unwanted sex is forced on a man. Um, so her bias there basically excludes half of victims. Yeah. And and it came sort of came to light when the CDC started doing their National Intimate Partner and in Sexual Violence Surveys. And when you look at people's answers for their experiences over the past 12 months, men and women gave approximately the same number of yes answers. And uh when you look at their their answers over the their lifetime, men who answered yes to being forced to penetrate mostly named female perpetrators. They didn't report what the uh, perpetrators named were for for the last twelve months, which kind of to me that's fishy. They didn't they didn't want to admit something there. They they reported it for a lifetime, but not for twelve months. But they reported the numbers for twelve months, and, and then of course when we we tried to get those numbers, um, they actually hid them. Uh, and wow. I don't know if you guys ha- followed my my FOIA request. Uh, that was a couple of years ago. That, no, I didn't. I filed a request with the CDC for the raw numbers from from the NISVS, and it took them eight months to get back to me. And when they did, um, they gave me, and they only gave me part of the numbers I asked for, and they would not release them without a phone call during which they tried to tell me why I couldn't use those numbers for anything. And uh, I finally, I ended up asking them, you know, why they defined rape to exclude male victims, why they defined rape as made to made to penetrate. Or to exclude, made to penetrate, instead of including all forms of of sexual intercourse, and the researchers on the phone with me couldn't answer the question. They had no idea Whoa. why they had included it. You know that that definition.
3: This woman rapes him for three days straight. What? What? <laughs>
1: His story just took a turn I did not expect.
3: Best story of the week.
1: Okay, hold up, hold up, hold up. First of all, Olga kicks the shit out of him.
3: Kicks the shit out of okay. him. Apparently, she she has like a high level of karate training.
1: <laughs> a high level of karate training. I don't
3: I, I don't know exactly what that means. Okay. <laughs> but uh, she's experiencing karate. Is, do so we have she, a picture of her? Yeah, let's go.
1: Oh no, you're kidding me.
3: I don't know why they blurred out oh, her they face.
1: You know, there's some chance she's actually hot.
3: I think she is. Uh oh. But listen, listen, nah. they she rapes him for three days straight. Okay, what she does is she feeds him Viagra, so she he gets hard. Oh, this woman
1: is unbelievable. She is
3: okay. Um, and also, oh, when she handcuffs him, she finally handcuffs him, right? Because he was tied up at first. She handcuffs him with pink, fluffy handcuffs.
1: Now, do we know that the guy objected?
3: He did. He did. Uh, she finally, eventually, let him go, uh-huh. right? And he goes straight to the hospital. Where, he, uh, went in a he went to
1: the hospital. I mean, she went to work he, on his ass. He, he Russian went... hairdressers ain't nothing to fuck with. Okay, here comes Olga off the top rope. Okay?
3: He goes to the hospital and they tell him, you know, your genitals are severely injured. They give him treatment.
1: <laughs> <laughs> your genitals are severely I By the way, we shouldn't be laughing about this. I denounce or reject Olga. Okay?
3: No, man, I don't care. This is a funny story. Okay. Um.
4: What, that kind of work that you're talking about doing right there. <laughs> Is so important, especially the fact that you've just explained it clearly. So anyone who listens to this should be able to understand what you're talking about. Most most people, they just hear the raw statistics from an authority figure, government, uh, maybe yeah. a local local shelter or an advocate of some kind. Um, and then when they do hear a disagreement about it, often it's just one person saying, oh, these statistics are right. Another person saying, no, they're wrong. It's yeah, so and then they don't to explain go. why. Right, exactly. Right. I know, Smash Lock, man, he's way better with statistics than I am. And he's in a class where he is asked to explain himself a lot.
2: Oh yeah, um, <laughs> I do a social intervention class as part of the course that I'm in, and I actually gave a, a, a one hour presentation with a team on um, v- domestic violence against men and violence against men. Um, and 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 I kind of I kind of set up the class because I know that they've been dealing with me over the last three years, so a lot of them are familiar with my arguing arguing style. Yeah. So I, I started off by saying that in Canada there are roughly 513 violence against women shelters or protective shelters for women. And then I said, but there are none as of the time of doing this presentation for men. And then, of course, this this roused a few of the members of the class into a discussion about, you know, generally, well, that's not true. There's, there's, There's shelters that men can go to. And I'm like, right, but name me one where they can take their kids. I'm like, if you want to know why male victims of domestic violence remain in their homes in spite of the fact that they're being harmed, hurt, neglected, or yeah. or any number of similar forms of violence that can be inflicted on women, you know, maybe it's because this whole nurturing side of men that you say doesn't exist actually does, and they want to keep their children safe, or they don't want to lose custody of their children to a woman who's abusive.
5: Yeah. yeah.
2: And then, uh, you know, they, of course, there were those who were completely against this and they're like no it's because it happens less to men and of course that set them up right for when i brought in the canadian statistics so stats canada ran a a a survey um that talked about domestic violence within a period of five years and um of all of the respondents that were basically surveyed 5.7 i'm sorry no 6.1 percent of men uh, surveyed said that they had been the victim of domestic violence, and 6.4% of women said that they had been the victims of domestic violence in the same period of time. So I think that worked out to 585,000 men and 614,000 women, respectively. Like, I'm just trying to remember these numbers off the top of my head. And and you could see the, the, the kind of the shudder in the class when they were presented with government statistics that they really couldn't refute.
5: Yeah. And I yeah. said,
2: I ha- I have more if you want it. You know, and then we kind of went through the rest of our presentation. Um, but you know, a lot of people have actually started to come around, uh, which I'm I'm thoroughly uh, encouraged by because it's taken me a number of years to kind of build up a rapport with a lot of these good good intentioned people that are just grossly misinformed.
5: Yeah, yeah that's the the general public is is pretty much like that too. They they don't really have a a hatred that everything is based on. They just don't know the facts. And even if they do know the facts, they don't always understand their applications. Yeah. Uh, and of course it is – there's also the fact that it's easier for most people to believe that, that men are exempt from these problems. Yeah. They don't want to see men as yeah. vulnerable because men are, are the backbone of society. Men are the base on which society is built, and if men have weaknesses and vulnerability, then society is weak and vulnerable. Right. So it's scary to admit that that men are vulnerable, um, and it takes it takes a lot of courage for people to uh, to to accept these things. And sometimes it takes a lot of time to build up that courage, or a lot of information.
2: Yeah, and well, it, for me, it takes a little bit of both. Because I mean, I'm yeah. I'm in a social service field, right? So it's immediately biased one way. Yeah, and that's right. not to say that I have any. I don't have any animosity towards any of my professors. They're all great, but they're all they're all subjected to the same conditions of learning that I'm being subjected to the differences that I decided to look into it. Yeah. You know, some people just accept these things as a foregone conclusion and and carry on about their day. And then they teach others about it because this is what they've, you know, I I liken it almost to, um, I can't remember the name of the program, but Catholic priests have a program where when they're coming out of the, of their religion, uh, Mm -hmm. they don't have a lot of skills, you know, they don't have a way to make money. Uh, outside of being a priest or a clergyman. And so there's this actual special program, which I wish I could remember its name right now, where they where they help them get located, they help them get some skills training so that they can actually survive outside of the church. And uh, one of the reasons why a lot of them just choose to remain behind is one, because they have no other discernible skill set, and, and because they've had so many years invested into this, into this narrative, into this belief system that many of them who don't believe it just continue to stay in it because it's their means of survival. And I wonder right. if a lot of the people who are the most adamant advocates that these things are true don't have this similar thing going on, that they know they're wrong, that they've been presented with the facts that they're wrong over a number of years, but they're just so far into it that they don't feel there's any way out
5: well i've noticed that with some people um that they they don't they can't seem to let go of it because it, it is all they know and it is all they're familiar with and and sometimes it's all they understand yeah of course there that's that's not all not all feminists uh, at all or social justice warriors or people in any political ideology there's always people that genuinely believe and there's always people that are exploiting the belief system yeah. Uh, yeah. There's always people with an agenda, and and there's always people who, you know, are are in it on good faith. But um, and, and, and it is just as hard sometimes for someone who's in it on good faith to let go of it, because it, when you are in something on good faith, you're and you're doing what you think is right. It's it's very hard to accept the idea that all along, you are doing the wrong thing.
4: Right. Yeah. Oh yeah. I've had this experience. I like I say when I was younger, I was conservative, and became a liberal in university. But also, uh, when I was younger, I was a born-again Christian, and then in university, uh, I became spiritual, and now I'm an atheist. Um, also, part of my liberal experience was, and this, this went back even to when I was younger, from conceptions I had, even as conservative. Uh, I would today, by you know, with today's talk, I would have been defined as a, as a feminist, probably a small yeah. f. But I assumed it was about equality. It was innocent. I advocated it more than once to women around me. You should look into it. You might find this helpful. Have you heard the good news? Yeah.
3: <laughs> and, yeah,
4: and, uh, yeah. So I call it the rude awakening. When it comes for you or someone you care about, suddenly you start seeing that it, what it's really about. And, again, not everyone that is calling themselves a feminist is a terrible person, but a lot of them are just blinded to the cumulative effect in society of what wrong ideas they're advocating are going to do.
0: Right.
5: Yeah, well, and I actually ended up writing about uh, – I re- ended up writing about that to an extent as well. Um, I think I posted it both on my, my blog, Breaking the Glasses, and on uh, – uh, at A Voice for Men. I wrote an article about how the establishment of feminism exploits the coffee shop feminist because the The coffee shop feminist isn't necessarily a feminist because she thinks men are evil, and she's not necessarily a feminist because she thinks that you know there's a rapist around every corner just waiting to pounce on her um She's a feminist because the concept of equality and the concept of women's rights resonate with her and and she believes that hardships that affect women affect women because of discrimination and not simply because people face hardship and so maybe she doesn't necessarily go out and march maybe she doesn't necessarily write to her congressman um you know or 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 go talk to businesses or, or anything like that. You know, maybe she's not part of women action media. Maybe she doesn't send money to the National Organization for Women or Concerned Women For America or any of the numerous other feminist groups out there. Maybe she just sits around in the coffee shop and talks about equality and how great feminism is and, and a dictionary definition of feminism is blah blah blah. And that's what feminism is all about. And please stop criticizing it because that's, you know, wrong. That's giving cover. To the groups that agitate for a you know new new uh, attacks on due process, it's giving cover to the groups that do think there's a rapist around every corner and that rapist must be male targeting a female person. Um, that 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 gives cover to groups that want to see female criminals allowed to stay out of jail, but at the it same al- time see more men put in. It also it,
4: it also empowers people like. Justin Trudeau, our new Prime Minister in Canada, uh, mm. who who is a radical, uh being elevated to the highest position in the country and aligning the entire government towards that position.
5: Yep. And and and, and it's what has led to uh the the <laughs> it's what led to the United Nations um initiatives for for victims in other countries, excluding men. Yeah. It's it's what has led to uh human rights watch. Actually, taking a gynocentric approach to its its um, its watchdog efforts when it comes to how how uh, how the uh, world government is or world governments are responding to food shortages and and uh, to to violence in war torn areas and things like yeah. that. Yeah,
4: oh, I get ads on Facebook that say uh, you know help help these people in these parts of the world. Men, uh, women and children are suffering.
5: Yeah, and, and
4: I'm like, I've actually commented a couple of times in the group, uh, and people have supported my comments. And When I'm like, "What about men? I like men just mm-hmm. standing around, like drinking coffee and having donuts, like uh, they they're <laughs> suffering is brief because they get shot right away. Well, the implication is men are to blame, right? They they get what they deserve. It's their fault this is happening, right?
5: Yeah, <sighs> That's the the human rights watch thing I was talking about. Um, Time Magazine had a story at, on their website. Um. And it linked to a human, human Rights Watch report, include women and girls with disabilities in anti-violence efforts. And what it basically was uh, claiming was that in, in programs that are um, intended to prevent like domestic violence and sexual violence and stuff like that, um, women and girls with disabilities were getting the short end of the stick. That was, that was their claim. So I started reading, I started looking into it and I went through a series of, you know, I clicked through their research to the research on which it was based, to, you know, I had I ended up getting to articles that I had to put through Google Translate and then decipher because the grammar uh the the, the grammatical structure of the original language doesn't match the grammatical structure of English, so it was hard to 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 actually parse. And and I, what I discovered was actually uh, men are discriminated against significantly in those programs. Um, disabled women and girls, not so much, but they were, they were highlighting the experiences of disabled women and girls and, and, and basically stretching the experience from one report to cover all of the, the, these areas. And, and, and again, completely ignoring the experiences of, of men and boys in, uh, If all you look at is women's experiences, of course you're going to see women suffering. If you don't look at men's experiences, it doesn't mean that men aren't suffering. It just means that unlike women, they can't get help. I think
4: one of the things that's making this also difficult is that we're living in a a generation where journalism is a joke of a word. Uh, (laughs) You know, okay, so for instance, the people that know me, they know that I don't support – I'm not a Trump supporter. First of all, I'm Canadian, so I can't vote for anyone anyways. I don't actually like any of the the three leading figures the news talks about a lot for various reasons, but I don't I don't support Trump. But I as a skeptic, I've often pointed out that things that are being circulated about Trump are quotes that never happened, lies or things taken out of context, uh, personal attacks that ignore his what I consider uh, really bad policy ideas. Um, And when I point this out, almost always the first thing I get is, uh, oh, you're a Trump supporter or you're a conservative and you're just lying about it.
5: You know. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Slowly. So some people have slowly started catching on. But I think a lot of this has to do with the fact that the media, whichever angle it likes to take, it just grabs that angle and it twists everything over to that direction. And the, the perception in mass media right now is that you have to be crazy to take men's issues seriously. I always take the women's uh, issue side.
5: Well, and it's been that way. I mean, there were there were men's issues activists at the beginning of the 20th century. Um, they were like uh, Ernest Belfort Bax was a socialist. Um, So there were probably a lot of people today that that wouldn't agree with him because of that. But he was – and he was an anti-suffragette. But he was also very uh, very rational when it came to a lot of the issues that that women had sort of foisted off on men at at the turn of the century. And it's – I guess his writings are, are, are featured on A Voice for Men. Um, and they're definitely worth a read, but this these issues, you know, people act like this is is this is something new that has just come up, and there's never been any any discussion or any conflict over it, and it's just not the case, you know. And and in, as soon as you start talking about the issues in depth with people, it it's kind of funny to watch what happens. You know, you bring up custody rights, and you bring up uh, children's need for the influence of both parents. You know, in in normal circumstances, as long as there's not some extenuating circumstance which makes the parent dangerous, right. um, you know, obviously I wouldn't have said that about any of the women that have made the news in the last few years killing their children, they, you know, and their children didn't need that parent. Um, but at the same time, you know, your average divorce, the the woman is the one who has, gets the most time with the children, and it, it actually ends up doing a lot of harm to the children because she alienates them from the father. Uh, they don't have his influence, and then they end up there, – there's a, a much greater chance that they're likely to get in trouble with the law, that they're likely to become unwed parents, that they're likely to end up on welfare instead of having success in their lives and, and having more than they could get if they were not depending on welfare. And you start talking about stuff like this, and people can can acknowledge those issues. Oh, yeah, that's – you're definitely right on that, but I don't think MRAs have the right take on it. You, know, you say, well, what's your solution? They don't have one that's different, right. yeah. they just don't like associating it with men's rights activism. you get the same thing with you know you talk about circumcision, well, yes, but I don't think a activist should be whining about it. Well, that's bull, you know somebody has to talk about it right. and and the same thing with sexual violence, well, of course, it's still rape if the man is a victim and a woman is a perpetrator, but do you really have to talk about it? Well, yes, we do. We have to talk about it because. We aren't going to change the circumstances that exist today if we don't talk about it.
2: Right. Well, you know, that kind of rationality just doesn't seem to kind of exist in the circles that are discussing these these issues, uh, at least the the women's side of it. They, no. they you know, and, and I, I sometimes believe it's because there's this at least unspoken understanding that there's a finite number of resources that can come from the government. And so when they say they're taking – you're taking away from women – I think they mean it literally, that you're going to take funding away from women. You're going to take shelters away from women because we're going to have to start treating men equally.
5: Yeah. Well, and even even if that were true, even if resources only came from the government and there was a finite limit to that and and women would lose resources if men were allowed to share in them, what does that say about these people that they are willing to deny men resources that they're upset about women losing?
3: Absolutely.
5: Here they do. Here they are. They say that feminism is not about hating men, but yet they will argue for men to have nothing but scraps from from a a table that is loaded.
0: It's hypocrisy. Yeah.
5: There's no better evidence that feminism is about man-hating than when they treat human rights as a zero-sum game and their resources to support human rights initiatives as a zero-sum game in which… Somebody has to lose out, and then they insist that the person losing out must be the man.
2: Well, uh, I'm not entirely certain what the statistics are like in the United States, but I know that in Canada, um, in insofar as custody is concerned, uh, when custody is awarded, it only gets awarded sole custody to the father seven percent of the time.
5: It's it's fairly rare. In the United States, unless he is, unless he actively seeks sole custody with a lot of evidence against the mother, not just in his favor but against the mother, um, there's a there's a natural bias in our court system. Uh, it used to be called the the tender years doctrine. Mm-hmm. Now the doctrine is called the best interest of the child doctrine. Mm-hmm. But in the law, um, there's actually an area. In the the written version of the law that that has space for comments and in, and the, one of the comments on it is and it defines the best interest of the child as as uh staying with the mother that that the mother's nurturing and, and and caregiving capability is greater than that of the father, so judges are still instructed to treat the that to treat maternal custody as being the best interest of the child most of the time yeah you know unless there is an extenuating circumstance that changes it. When in reality, 50-50 custody would be better, and it's been demonstrated to be better.
0: It should be the
4: starting position. Yes.
5: Yeah, and in divorce, it definitely should be the starting position. I've actually argued for for taking the pendulum the other way in in, uh, uh, unwed parenting situations and say, you know, all right, if we're going to insist that when the mother has custody, the father has to be responsible with child support, the default should be that the father should get custody unless he turns it down you know or unless the unless a judge finds a reason why he's an unfit parent and you know there's there's other reasons to uh, to back that in statistics from from the United States government from the the census it shows that the majority of single custodial fathers are solvent it's it's different than with single custodial mothers Single custodial fathers are more likely to own their own home. They're more likely to have full-time jobs, and if they don't have full-time jobs, they're more likely to have other self-supporting income. They're much less likely to have to rely on the government, and they're less likely to have to rely on child support. Now, the thing is, if men can have a job and raise children or can support themselves and raise children, women should be able to do it too or should at least be expected to do it too. I I have had this –
4: Yeah, I've had, sorry to cut in, but I've had this actual disagreement, this disagreement with my own lawyer, like behind closed doors in his office more than once, where he, he's, he used to be, let me just say, uh, his first name is Tom. Tom's a good guy. He's a well respected lawyer. When he goes into court, he's fighting for me. However, we have some different points of view on family court because he's been in it for so many years. He's, I believe, in his 70s. And uh, he used, he's been doing it so long, he used to be a family court judge. And then he retired from that and now he just takes a few cases here and there. So he's had a lot of time of his life invested into the system. It's part of his identity, his culture. Yeah. I think it's hard for him to really take a hard look at just how offensive a lot of these types of tactics and standards are, you know, and, and this idea that for the good of the child should be this. I, I, I said it's, it's, it's actually appropriate that, uh, lawyers and judges still wear robes a lot, of, a lot of the time in family court because I imagine there's somewhere in the basement where they walk around in a circle chanting, for the good of a child, for the, <laughs> the good of a child,
5: for the good of a child. Yeah. yeah.
3: Doctor, can you give the court your impression of Mr. Stryker? I'm sorry I don't do impressions. My training is in psychiatry, of course.
5: Oh, geez, yeah.
3: In, in my case,
4: you know, um, I'm, I'm just going to, there was a social worker's report, it's, it's over 30 pages long, and the court requested it. This came in two years ago. And the whole thing is filled with red flags. Essentially, the only thing she had to say about me was that, I'm, you know, I look like a good father. I need to be more involved. Like, Mr. you know, my, my ex needs to let me be more involved. And that's important. And that my job, if I want to have more custody, my job needs to change, which is ironic because of the financial demand they put on me. I can't really change jobs. Yeah. You know, cause any, anything that makes my time better is going to at least take a little bit of my payoff, right? Anyways. In her recommendations, I'll just read this one to you, recommendation number 11. This tells you how bad this is. Uh, My ex, she's referring to, shall arrange to obtain a full psychological assessment for herself and provide the results of the assessment to Mr. Jansen or his counsel. A copy of the OCL report should be provided to the assessor by the parties. Now, that is, yeah, that is not a normal recommendation.
5: When they tell you to get a psyche that's uh, problematic. And the...
4: (laughs) The court cannot. The court cannot force her to. But the reason that I'm doing the fundraiser is because I need to present this at trial, and they've made me. They've strung this out for over three years, and it's just destroyed my finances. Uh, If I can present that to a judge, almost guaranteed any judge will be alarmed by that. Because if they ignore it and she doesn't cooperate in some way, and then a year or five years from now something terrible happens to my daughter,
5: it'll all come back to their decision, right? Yeah. Yep. And I've seen women get bizarre, they just get absolutely bizarre, without warning. Um, I, mean, I talked about two cases of uh, malicious prosecution. The longer running of those cases involved uh, a childhood friend of mine, and he has a bad habit of um, getting together with women who are not of good character. And uh, the I, the I can't and- judge him. For- I can't judge him for that. That's a it's such a common thing because men are not taught to vet women for character the way women are taught yeah. to vet men for character when they're That's talking true. about getting married. Um, but in any case, you know, so he he goes for damsels, and this damsel who was well, about five foot five and ninety eight pounds, soaking wet with rocks in her pockets, <laughs> um, had a you know she started out being offended at an answer she was given to a question – or he was given, really, to a question that he asked. Uh, they they brought their kid to my family's home. I was there with my, my parents, and, and I had a baby at the time too. Um, he's 17 now. But uh, in any case, they, they came in with this baby, and they'd been at a festival the community has. Um, it, it's in June so it's it, in the middle of the day it had been you know 75 80 degrees out and they had had the baby dressed in in a little cute is a little girl a cute little shorts outfit with suspenders no shirt just you know just little ruffles yeah. and uh, so she would not be overheated but as it got dark out because it was in june the temperature dropped to below 60 degrees Ooh. and she was still in that outfit and she was shivering and um, she was wheezing and coughing and you know, my friend was asking my mother questions about asthma because I grew up with really severe asthma. They had said I wasn't going to live past 21, and and uh, you know my parents and and my medical team got me there. And so he was asking for advice because his doctor had said his 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 baby had asthma. Well, his baby had a cold, and the first thing my mom did was say, you know, you can't have her out in this temperature. Without some sort of covering, she won't keep herself warm the way an adult would keep themselves warm. Right. Babies don't have that capability, you know. She, she goes. She's basically explaining things that that not everybody knows as a new parent about babies, unless they've got adults that have already raised children, right. helping them understand their kids. And he's, you know, seeking more and more advice and having this discussion and everything. And none of us noticed his wife becoming more and more quiet and more and more sullen. And, um, we had an extra onesie that, you know, my son had grown out of and we gave it to them and he, you know, he put it on the baby and, you know, she immediately posied up and went to sleep and, as they're leaving, the wife just had a meltdown massive, absolute meltdown. I am not a bad mother. you can't treat me like this. How dare you bring me into your house to tell me all the things I'm doing wrong and she you know started cool. hitting him and started flailing around and everything, grabbed the baby roughly out of my mother's arms and ripped the onesie off and threw it on the ground and you know sitting here it was it was scary enough watching her handle the baby then. She thrust a baby at her husband and went after my mom. What? And this this 98-pound, soaking wet, Roxner pockets, little damsel was so strong at that moment. My, my six-foot-one brother, who was a bodybuilder at the time, had to struggle to keep her from, from getting past him to get to my mother. Holy crap. I mean, he must have outweighed her by another whole person, and it was almost solid muscle, and he couldn't. What you're, yeah. What you're
4: explaining right now is what people don't understand is that when they're like men should be able to take care of themselves, well, technically he could just popped her in the head probably and knocked her out, but you can't yeah. do that. You can't do that. It's, yeah. No. Right.
1: And, and so. he would have had to
5: be careful anyway, because this, uh, when you're, when you're that strong, you can hit somebody and yeah. not mean to do very much, you know, damage. You can, you can mean right. to just slow yeah. them down. And all, all that you have to do is not take their movement into account. And, and all of a sudden, the injury is a lot worse than you meant for it to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
4: exactly. And well, I, in my case, um, you know, we haven't spoken before. But in my case, uh, part of what happened was the night that I left, uh, my ex finally took her um, what I now recognize as abusive behavior up to the point of physical altercation. She started striking me in the face in front of her five-year-old. And then started kicking me in the leg while I was backing out of the room with our kid behind us, uh, behind me, pushing us out of the room. Yeah. Um, and what people don't understand is, like, I'm a, I'm a big guy. I'm six foot two. I've always been a big guy. She's around the five foot two ish uh, height. My ex. Uh, yeah. But that doesn't mean she can't do damage, especially if I've got my arms back pushing my kid backwards through the door to keep her safe, and she's got her hands and feet free, flailing at me. Right.
5: Yep. Yeah, all she has to do is hit the wrong spot.
4: Yeah. Now, I mean, I w- was not severely hurt. I was emotionally really hurt, and my kid was very upset, obviously. Um, and But I, I get tired of kind of this idea that, that people have that, you know, a woman uh, is, is reported for abusing a man, and people just don't take it seriously. Like, this is just as serious, people. You know, this, I don't understand the double standard here. You it's not what, even a double standard.
5: Yeah, it is. A, it, in a way, it's two double standards. Yeah. Because uh, – you have, you have the double standard of not having sympathy for men where you would have sympathy for women. But you also have the double standard of not holding women accountable for attacking somebody who can't hit them back, where you would hold a man accountable for attacking somebody who, who you consider weaker than him if he were the, the uh, initiator of the violence. This is something like my dad put it in a really good way. He said, boys can't hit you back. So hitting them is like kicking somebody that's in a wheelchair. That's good. It's not fair to hit somebody who can't hit you back. You can't hit just because you're mad. You can always hit back, but you can't hit just because you're mad.
4: The other thing that your story points out, though, that I was associating or connecting with there is the feral state. There's no reasoning reasoning with them. It's not like you can, you know, if I, you know, like I said, I'm a big guy. If I had put up my my dukes and been like, oh, i kick your ass, right? Like I screamed at her in a way that would frighten most people in that state, she wouldn't have blinked. Nope. She was she was not there. She was doing what she was going to do, you know? Um, and I should also, because I gave that info, I should probably say that uh, that night I did the right thing. I called the police. And then I did the wrong thing, and I refused to tell them really what happened. I said we'd each slapped each other once to protect her because they wanted to arrest her. It was, yeah. uh, it was two lady cops, actually. And they were very strongly hinting at me that, you know, that I should make my statement. and They would be taking her away in handcuffs is what they said. And, uh, so I refused and I changed, you know, I said, well, listen, we just each other once because I figured that would cancel it out.
5: <laughs> no.
4: So that was a big mistake. Uh, and I thought I was doing it, uh, for my kid at that point, right? Cause I thought my ex was going crazy and being arrested would be, you know, the death, the death toll for when she got my daughter back. Yeah. So anyone listening, uh, calling the police when you are attacked by your spouse, um, you know, I'm going to tell you, that's a good thing. Even though sometimes guys are arrested anyways, even though they're the ones hit, um, but if you get a chance to press charges, do it, even if it goes against your instinct.
5: And always when you're talking to the cops about stuff like that, tell them the truth. Yeah. If You got hurt. You got hurt. Yep. Never protect somebody who's abusing you. Yep. actually, the truth is you're not really protecting that person because you're actually keeping them from getting help. Yep. Remember you our... cannot address a problem that you don't acknowledge exists.
4: Well, we had a friend that would come up to, uh, once a week and hang out with a bunch of our friends. And he came with all these, like, wounds on him one week. And it was an ex... Well, his girlfriend or whatever had done all this stuff. to him. And he'd gone to the hospital and said he had done it to himself. And right that week, I, I said to our group of friends, I was telling them, look, he's going to get arrested. Or he's going to end up dead. Or dead, you know. Like, we should say something to him. You know, I tried. But uh, a lot of guys are like, mind your own business, man. If he wants help, you know, he'll ask for help or whatever. He's going to do his own thing. Right? Like that really helps if they end up dead.
2: Right. So yeah.
4: last, I, did
2: he end up going to to jail. Next time she uh, they put him in, in a they put him in a psych ward for two months. Yeah, and uh, and then he got probation, conditional probation. And that was because she attacked him again, right? He took the blame or whatever. Um. Well, just, you know, not to breach any confidentiality, not that there's any agreement between him and I. But no, we're, uh, not, we're not naming uh, n- Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, essentially, what ended up happening is that she called him and said that she was going to kill herself. So he went over, broke down the door, and then manhandled a, a, a weapon out of her hand, and then she accused him of assault. Yeah. There so. There you go. There you go. <laughs> So I mean, like it's it, the fact that these, the, all of these different elements—the court case and uh, our, our friend—and um, then the stories that you're sharing with us—I mean, these are not uncommon. These are these are not rare, isolated events. They they probably happen to a lot of people enough of the time that that people should be taking notice of them, and they and they are just ignoring them and sweeping them under the rug. Wow. Well. There's a,
5: there's some things that people don't take into consideration when they when they think about domestic violence, um, and they and they don't think about a particular cause that is pretty much uh, an underlying thing in our society. And I, you can see it anywhere. You can even see it in, in in TV and movies and stuff. Women and girls do not grow up with a taboo against hitting or slapping men when they're angry. And as like I mentioned before, my dad did did tell me that. Um, I don't think a lot of other other women and girls grow up with that. In fact, it's the opposite. You know, a a guy says the wrong thing, he's going to get slapped across the face. You know a a guy cannot slap somebody across the face for saying the wrong thing about his butt. A girl can. And just that difference, that little difference, and and then a guy never has the expectation that if he assaults somebody, that they will not defend themselves against him physically. You know, girls do have that expectation when it comes to guys. Then we have a third factor involved. It's not necessarily seen as violent every time a female engages in violence. If a man slaps, that is seen as an act of violence. It's not necessarily always consciously thought of as an act of violence if a woman slaps or pushes or kicks or gets in somebody's face and yells. All of those things would be treated as violence if a man did them. So you have this situation where women and girls are more comfortable engaging in in initiating and in initiative acts of violence, things that start violence and, and, and get create a, a situation where emotions start to run high. Uh, women and girls also don't necessarily understand the difference in the the primal state between themselves and men and I, I don't know if you guys remember the incident with a, a, an American football player named Ray Rice. Yeah. Where he was, he was in trouble for hitting his his girlfriend. Is that the one in the elevator? Yep, yep. I don't know, I don't know if you guys saw the video. Did you see the video?
2: Yeah, no, I she I was hitting many times, but I never saw. It. Uh, I saw the video. Now, if I remember it correctly, so so correct me if I'm wrong. She was hitting him several times in the elevator, and then he had just yeah. finally had enough of it, I suppose, and, and 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 put a stop to it.
5: Well, he didn't. It wasn't that he just had enough of it. Um, I watched that video from from an earlier point than when they were in the elevator. Okay. You could see um he they're, they're in a hallway leading up to the elevator and he's standing up against a pillar and she comes walking along and she's got the angry woman strut um <laughs> and and at one tight point she reaches up and with you know a, a a bent finger and chucks him under the chin and and does the angry woman head shake, you know, uh side to side. So she's already doing that. They're already in conflict. Emotions are already running high. They get into the elevator, and she's, she's pushing him. She's getting him in his face. He's yelling at her, and then he backs away from her, and she launches herself across the elevator at him, and he brings one fist up into her jaw, and, and her head hits the side of the elevator, bounces off of him, hits the side of the elevator, and she's knocked unconscious. And what I saw there um, from the perspective of somebody who's been the woman launching herself at the wrong time was a guy who was who 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 defended himself when he was cornered, not because he was thinking of himself as being in danger, but as a knee jerk response, as a reflex. And I know that that's not an excuse for violence. Um, it would have been more wise for him to not get into the elevator with her while they were in that conflict. But at the very
4: least, this is uh, now should be classified as mutual violence. Yeah. Right.
5: And and it was clear that. This was not a one-sided thing at all, but in his, in it his was way, also was having... clear that this was not he when he when he did what he did. It was not a a premeditated, you know, acting in anger. I'm going to beat you down. It wasn't the thing that that it was portrayed as. And this is a situation that a lot of women get themselves into. And I did this in high school once um, over over a ridiculous misunderstanding that was caused by another. Girl playing a trick on me and a guy that that uh, we weren't acknowledging that, that that we were close. Basically, we not dated for something like eight months, um, and and of course the whole time, no, we're not dating. We just hang out all the time. We're not dating. We just get jealous when when each other has somebody else. You know, <laughs> is involved with somebody else. You know, we're not dating. <laughs> we just yeah. you know all the things that that go along with dating. We're not dating. Um and and so she decided to play head games with us and the head game involved a letter that, that that was fake and for some reason instead of saying no I didn't write that he says, Yeah, I wrote it and so I spent like three days trying to figure out why that attitude didn't match what it said in the letter and then when I tried to confront him with it and he tried to back out of the conversation, I made the mistake of shoving it in his face. And you know, he he didn't even like he didn't hit, he didn't do anything really violent. But he put his hands up to push me away, and we were in a bad spot and I almost went over a railing down a stairwell and and of course, then that that created an actual fight um and my you know my brother ended up getting into a fight with him over it because that was the social obligation. Yeah. you hit my sister, I have to beat you up now, yeah <laughs> and you know, we grew up in a small town um and it was it took me a long time before I really understood what happened in that situation. That guy didn't do anything to me out of intention to hurt me. And he didn't do it because he was angry with me. He did it because I launched myself at him across the hallway and he put his hands up to defend himself and he just, you know, was in a bad spot and uh, it didn't, to make matters worse, you know, I was really upset about it and said all the wrong things at the time. Um, But in any case, it's It's very much a similar situation with the rice thing, and having seen it from the outside and having seen it from the inside, uh, and having looked at the statistics and, and watched the way women and men behave together and, and, and just sort of looked at the overall picture, what I've figured out is, you know, knowing that women initiate domestic violence the majority of the time, you know the majority of domestic violence could probably be eliminated entirely if women were taught to have the same taboos as men nothing more they wouldn't have to be taught that you know you have to be some special lady like uh, super nice person just that it is as bad for a woman to hit a man as it is for a man to hit a woman it's as bad to start an assault whether you're male or female don't slap somebody because you're angry tell them why you're angry don't get in somebody's face and and for Pete's sake start teaching girls the difference between Men's fight or flight response and women's fight or flight response. Because if you corner a guy in a state of high emotion like that, he's going to fight back. It's in his instincts. It's it's the part of us that is animal.
4: Well, the the reflex part for sure. Like, uh, like for me, and I should say a good word for those two lady officers that came over. They saw through. They saw what was going on right away, and their advice to me was strong and relevant. Uh, And I was an idiot. For instance, after I said that we had each slapped each other once and that I didn't want anyone arrested. My kid was asleep at this point, and they were talking to us each in a different room, and my ex was in such a a altered state of, of whatever was going on. Like she was just like in an animal state. She had gone as soon as the police arrived, sat next to my daughter's bed, and whatever she was doing there while the other officer tried to talk to her scared the officer so much. When she came back and the two cops conferred and then came back to me, they, uh, they said to me together, they tried to convince me, will you at least take your daughter up here tonight? If we help you do that, you know, while we're here, (laughs) it's like, that was, you know, I I just, uh, they call it the the red pill. I had not had the red pill, right? I was still in the old way of thinking. And I just said, no, because if we take my daughter away or we have her arrested tonight, I'm worried that when she does get my kid back, my kid will get hurt. So again, I turned them down on good advice, but they, they, I'm sure have seen this stuff before they saw through what was going on right away. And another thing they must've noticed with my size, like size difference Uh, I don't know what she was saying in the other room, if she was even coherent. But uh, if she was trying to throw me under the bus, I'm sure the cop could see right away there was no marks on her face. You know, there was nothing there. If I had been hitting her back, it was if it had been back and forth.
5: You know, it's the sad thing is it's not uncommon for that. You know, for for women to do that to as soon as they're in trouble to turn around and throw somebody under the bus that that they've been close to. Um, and and it's it's become such a thing. in modern society for lies about domestic violence to simply be believed that sometimes they'll tell the most outrageous lies. Yeah. The the 7 years in hell story that I wrote for a voice for men, which is the story I got shadow banned from Reddit for discussing this, repeatedly. How
4: about your your friend that you're talking about?
5: Yep, that's my my the friend that I was a witness to his case um, here in the Dayton area. Uh, that one the the uh, vexatious litigant, you know, the false accuser actually claimed at one point that she kicked him in the nuts three times and then he ran away. Like he, he just got up and ran after being kicked in the nuts three times
4: <laughs> by a woman who is
5: almost six feet tall.
4: Not once, and, but three times. You know, three boom, times. Boom, boom, hard. All right, I'm boom, ready
5: for a run. And, and uh, Here he we goes go. on a
3: sprint. <laughs> um,
5: but the worst part of it was the day that that particular incident the, the alleged incident was supposed to have happened he was recovering from hernia surgery oh really so not, not only was he supposed to have gotten up gone and found her at a location that he could not have predicted she would have been at um assaulted her got kicked in the nuts three times and ran away he did all that uh, according to her he did all that with well while wearing a truss <laughs> <laughs> and, and recovering oh, wow. from hernia surgery
4: yeah, I can just see this playing out in a movie, and everyone, you know, believing it like on a Law and Order episode. They show the guy sitting up in bed after surgery. Oh, time to psychically find my my girl. He goes on down there, starts a, an arbitrary fight in his uh, little hospital gown, gets kicked yeah. three times in the nuts, and is like, "Well, wow, that makes me feel like going for a run." <laughs> <laughs> you know.
1: Look, the short version is this morning she made me eat the hair in her pie. <gasps> no, it's not what you think. Stewie had some too. <gasps> Stop punching me.
5: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, just, it got that ridiculous. It got so ridiculous that at one point um, after telling a judge that she was going to be out of town for a week and couldn't couldn't go to court uh, for for a case, uh, a, a motion that she, she had filed. So she asked for a continuance on something on that basis. So she's not going to be there. Right. She she accuses him. Of of driving past a bar that she was in in the community she wasn't going to be in all week, and waving menacingly, menacingly which I we we still have not completely figured out how you wave menacingly. <laughs> um, there are those of us who theorize that that's done with one finger. Oh, I see. Uh, it. But, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, in any case, so I, I I actually can say that I have a friend who was taken in for questioning because they never arrested him officially. They always took him in for questioning and then incarcerated him anyway. Yeah. Uh, for for drive-by greeting that never happened.
4: <laughs> wow. How how did that turn out in the end? For your um
5: what what happened in the end was they filed a, a vexatious litigant civil case against her. This this case had gone on for I think four or five years at the point when the case was well, it was four years when the case was originally filed. Um and, and it was six years when it went to, to, to trial because it got misplaced by the clerk of courts who was giving her all of the false restraining orders. Um, but when it went to trial, within a year after that, she was put on Ohio's short list of vexatious litigants. And she has to get leave from a judge now to, uh, to do anything basically to him. She can't file motions in court. She can't file charges with the police. She can't do anything without getting leave from the judge that that uh, issued the vexatious litigant order so she's pretty much settled down um and 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 is no longer pulling the majority of the shit that she had been pulling nice. there were <laughs> there was still there were still efforts at custody interference and other other uh, stupid behaviors email rants and and stuff like that but it was like it, yeah. i don't know did he uh, did he, the, did the he have his
4: yeah, did he have his reputation dragged through the mud in the media or anything or is he, did he manage to um, avoid that?
5: There wasn't a lot of media attention because locally he, he was not, you know, a big name among people. Yeah. Well, so, that's good. and it is a big city, so it's well, it's a, rather a big town. And it's it's not a huge city or anything like that, but it's big enough that that you can pretty much be relatively um obscure as a person here and not have, you know, yeah. you don't you don't have a lot well, of attention.
4: I don't know about you, but I've taken some heat. By uh, because of the stuff that's gone on the news recently over the last uh, couple of years, where I now take the position where I don't care how many people are accusing someone of something, I wait until the court hears the evidence. And people yeah, get upset. Yeah, yeah, people get upset with that. I don't mind. I don't mind jokes for celebrities like Bill Cosby putting pop jokes about all this stuff or whatever. Right, yeah. that's funny. Yeah. But the idea of actually convicting him without hearing the, the court has heard the evidence, uh, I'm not going to jump there.
2: That yeah. like, uh, that most recent one, uh, Gomeshi. Yeah. You know, In Canada, yeah. I waited, I waited. People were like, I can't believe you, you, are supporting that piece of shit. And I'm like, I'm not supporting or against yeah. him. I, I'm going to wait and see what the trial said. Like that's what a fucking trial is for. Yeah. Dumbass.
5: Evidence. Yeah. Like, you don't have to... you know, ev- evidence is everything really.
2: Yeah. Right. But people are just so willing to double down on stupid anymore. It really yeah. gets under yeah. my skin.
4: I put up a picture of someone it shared. I reposted it on Facebook. Is
2: a split picture. On the top
4: half, is a bunch of women outside of the Giang Meshi trial when he's acquitted, saying we know he's guilty. And then underneath, it's a lynch mob after they've hung a black man. And it right. goes, they knew that too. Right. Yeah. Well. Good right. Point. Mob. Mob justice is always the wrong way to go. Yeah.
5: Yeah. yeah. If you if you think that uh, that gets you demonized, you should try taking <laughs> a position in, in, involving any nuance whatsoever on on a discussion regarding uh, refugees. Regarding Muslim refugees, Oh, I, I have tried, <laughs> and holy I know all I <laughs> people <that. laughs> are just like you. You either you must either believe that they are all terrorists in disguise, or or yeah. if you're not. If you don't believe that, then you believe none right. of them are, you know. And you must yeah. either either believe that all Muslims are just waiting for a chance to rape white women, or yeah. uh, or, or you must believe that none of them ever do.
4: I try to explain. Uh, I try to explain the difference between mass migration and controlled immigration. Yeah. And they're like, "There's you don't. Know, there's no real difference." I'm like, "Well, then why do we use different words?
2: And what is there? A, is there a reason for different words?" Yeah. <laughs> I believe that there's more to them than meets the eye. <laughs> like honestly, it's just insane watching this whole stuff go down yeah. in Europe. It, it is. I, well, it, it, it's
4: t- people take preconceived positions, right? Bias. Yeah.
2: And oh. then you've got
5: you've got one side uh one one side of the political perspective or political spectrum wanting to ignore everything that's happening because it, since since they're considered a minority, it's politically incorrect to criticize anything anyone right. from among yeah. that group does. And then you've got the other side you know, sort of knee-jerk responding to that with we must condemn all of them all the time, forever, every single, you know, every single day. There there must not ever be anything nice said about them and you cannot accept the idea that that among these refugees there might be actual refugees you know and, and that perhaps some of the violent behavior in those groups is is uh, caused by the environment that they came from and that the approach to that violence might you know a successful approach to that violence might be more nuanced than hang all
2: Right, right, yeah, exactly. But, but I mean, you can't even have it. Like, I, I mean, I've tried. I've tried to have a reasonable discussion about this, and uh, it's not nearly as bad where I am as it is in places more populous areas like Toronto yeah. or bigger cities. But even even here, you know, I said, how do we know that the ones who are violent aren't suffering from post traumatic stress disorder?
5: Yeah, well, you there's know? there's actually evidence that some of the ones that are violent may have been you know molested as children. They have been treated very violently as children,
4: and all of this yeah. t- stuff takes time and resources. And when you dump entire mm-hmm. communities into in, you know self enclosed areas on en mass, you lose the capacity to do any of this effectively.
5: Yeah, and 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 of course the feminist solution is that uh, well, there's there's stories of Muslim men raping women. Well, let's let's have teach teach men not to rape rallies for white men. I <laughs> don't you know whether or not the guys that are accused but let's let's have them do it anyway you know you know the, uh, real, the real
4: the real winners i figured i figured this out the real winners in all of this uh identity politics are the uh, asians because <laughs> because they're ignored by everybody and i think that's, that they uh, this is not an accident they've learned not to just go around shooting off their mouth for no good reason they just concentrate on building their education doing something matters to them <laughs> well
2: they don't they want to know, shoot off know, the person. mouth they speak out of time
3: anyway yeah, there's, 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 oh. there's some stuff
5: going on in Japan though yeah. they've already got a situation where and, and this is this is kind of partly because of existing issues in Japanese culture uh, you know the honor issues and everything oh, but, yeah, yeah. Uh, they now have women only train cars. Because of how many women have accused men of groping them in crowded train cars. Oh, wow. Really? Like a groping accusation in Japan is an entirely different thing than a groping ac- accusation in, in, in a place like the US or Canada. You know, you're on a bus or a train or someplace here, and, and some woman accuses a guy of groping, or everybody's like, har, 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 you know, or hey, you're a jerk, and we're going to hit you or whatever. But in Japan, it can be reputation destroying. Yeah. And, uh, you know this. This is the type of thing that can lead to a suicide, and uh, so this is. It's not just for women's protection. It's purportedly just for women's protection, but it's going to be for men's protection too. Because getting falsely accused of something like that is is can be a life record for a guy. False, false accusations don't happen. Peers who know who he is and where he <laughs> works and everything.
4: Yeah, I, I I don't. I'll be the first to admit I am not familiar with a lot of aspects of different uh, different Asian cultures that are Chinese, Japanese, Korean. Yeah, Um, I do know that every area has their issues, and that's kind of when they hyper-focus on the evils of the white man in the West, right? This is the absurdity of it. No matter where you go, there are issues. Instead of blaming a skin color, look at the issues. Try to resolve. Where are these issues coming from? What kind of steps can we take?
2: Well, modern Japan was obviously influenced by American culture, right? So, (laughs) I mean... Uh, it's still white man's fault, CJ. He just—he's is white man's fault. And besides, uh, they're all robots there now,
4: anyways. Right? I, you know, it's, patriarchy. You know, you know, it's patriarchy. It's it is patriarchy. It's the robot patriarchy.
2: Uh, Patriarchy, so like, uh, big red. Patriarchy. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to take a video of her and then splice in that, that old big red commercial. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Uh, uh, question for you. Did you see this recent video about this, um, this black university student attacking the, uh, the kid uh, goldsmith, I guess is his last name with the dreadlocks.
5: No, no, I haven't seen that.
2: Oh my goodness. Um, I, I, I can't remember. It's a San Francisco university anyway. And, um, some people have claimed that the video was staged. I, I am one of the people who tend to lean towards this seems pretty legit. But there's a young black guy and uh, a young black woman in a university hallway. And she's literally blocking this this young white uh, kid's path. And she's saying, why are you wearing dreadlocks? You got to take them out. You got to cut your hair. And he's like, why do I have to cut my hair? Like, well, and she says, it's cultural appropriation. It's part of my culture. And he goes, it's, it, it was Egyptian. Yeah. Are you, you know, are you Egyptian? And she goes, where's Egypt? And then she literally grabs him, turns him around, pulls him down the stairs, and then says, "Why are you touching me?"
4: Yeah, she's smiling <laughs> while she's she's yeah. while she's doing it.
2: Like just the level of idiocy. Like uh, me personally, I because uh, you know there's a lot of sociology aspects to my course. Uh, I don't have any problem just out of hand saying cultural appropriation is garbage. You know, well, yeah, I, I, I ignore I ignore it out, outright. Uh, n- not in the sense that I won't learn about it or learn what people have to say about it. Cultural appropriation, you know, is a part of how humanity better[s] itself. Right. But you,
5: you, yeah, humanity has a history of blending cultures. Yeah, it's it's how various cultures have evolved. Right. Do they not realize that that? trade existed for centuries among various cultures and uh, well don't, don't,
4: just... Hannah, don't you remember the great war between egypt and the vikings over uh, dreadlocks
2: i'm waiting for the small percentage of asians to start protesting the the second amendment and saying you appropriated our gun culture yeah, <laughs> because
4: most <laughs> well, it was almost it was all Nobody white guys that gunpowder right in the states i think it was all white guys that wrote the uh, constitution right so uh, any any person who's not white who uses the constitution to defend themselves is appropriating your culture right <laughs> yeah, the,
5: the constitution was cultural appropriation as well because it was ir- influenced by the the uh, standards of the iroquois nation
2: oh. so so yeah. only native americans can use your constitution everyone else is screwed yep oh, yeah. that's right <sighs> <laughs> now, what is it? Cultural appropriations, microaggressions, rape culture. I laugh about rape culture. I, there's there's at least half a dozen women in my course that go on about rape culture from time to time, and, 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 and I laugh. I don't even I don't even really pay that one much mind.
5: You, you need to look up the meddling rational archivist on uh, rape culture, who has basically explained where the term actually originated. Is. It was a descriptor for the, the uh, conditions in American prisons wherein it was just considered a part of being incarcerated that you were going to be subject to, to right. rape yeah. by your fellow inmates or you would become a rapist uh, in order to, to have companionship of some kind. Yeah. And uh, that that was the original rape culture. Ah. And feminists appropriated that to describe their view of, of the world. Wherein, if women are not venerated and and you know their their sensibilities are not catered to, and so we need ex-cons don't come and inmates. begging for sex, and right. you know and and don't take all responsibility for for both sides of the encounter. That's apparently a rape culture.
2: Yeah. oh man, this stuff makes my brain hurt sometimes. How <laughs> dumb it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, so
5: speaking of cultural uh,
2: appropriation. Yeah, you know that means that we need prison inmates and ex-cons to start protesting, like women's studies groups, and saying you appropriated our rape culture.
5: That's right. That's uh-huh. basically what they've done. They've appropriated the term and and taken focus away from the the activism that was uh, that it originally stemmed from, which was to to end that that tendency, that culture.
4: Yeah, I, I'm gonna have to think twice now before I ever start a campfire. That's cultural appropriation from the Neanderthal. Told us <laughs> back earlier than that, I'm sure.
5: Well <laughs> uh, according to, uh, to, to to recent writing on, on how allergies originated, I can start campfires.
2: Oh yeah? Nice. Yeah.
5: But apparently people with a lot of allergies are more likely to have Neanderthal Neanderthal DNA. Well, oh, there that's you go. From. So,
4: you can scream at people that you're that they're part of an anti Neanderthal culture.
5: That's right. Especially people who wear perfume. That's
3: mm-hmm.
4: right. <laughs> Like we've had you uh, for a while. I really appreciate you coming on the show. It was really nice getting to, uh, get to know you a little
5: bit. Oh, thanks. I like being here. That was, this was a great, great amount of fun.
4: <laughs> did you Before you go, though, uh, did you want to, once again, just say where you want people to go to find your work?
5: Um, sure. You can find me at uh, the, the Honey Badger Brigade website. Um, that is uh, honeybadgerbrigade.com. You can also find me at breakingtheglasses.blogspot.com. Some of my stuff is at uh, a Voice for Men. I actually have links to that on breakingtheglasses.blogspot.com. I have a YouTube channel. It's also called Breaking the Glasses, and uh, Breaking the Glasses just basically refers to destroying the rose-colored glasses through which we yeah. view, you know, or the 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 filters of bias through which we view uh, all of politics and all of social discussion. Um, and, of course, I'm I'm also on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, but I don't really use my Facebook very much. So I'm really far behind in accepting friend requests. And uh, so, so don't be upset if you find me on Facebook and it takes me forever to, to, to accept a friend request. I only get on Facebook like once every two or three weeks. <laughs>
4: well, you're not addicted to social media, so that means that you're a bad person.
5: <laughs> well i might be addicted a little bit to twitter <laughs> but, have you tried you know, the fifty-two
2: Facebook gendered flavors of tumblr <laughs> uh, I,
5: oh i do have a tumblr blog i just don't really use it much
1: uh, why do you have to tear him down what are you so afraid of what have you got to lose he wasn't selling anything he didn't want anything from anybody he wanted nothing from nobody nothing nothing
0: And you people have to tear him down so you can sleep better tonight? So you can prove that the world is flat and sleep better tonight? Am I right?
3: I'm right.